if you're a young person here today, you might be wondering, yeah, who am I really? And that's, that's normal and natural. You're, you're developing, you're growing, you're, you're trying to figure out who you are. For, for those of us as adults, we probably should have some concept of that, something that anchors that, hey? Many people define themselves by what they do for a living or by their position in a family. Before coming to faith in Christ, if you'd have asked me, who are you? I'd have said, I'm a farmer. That's who I am. I wasn't a very good farmer. But that's what I would have said. I'm a farmer. Some people describe themselves by their position in a family. I'm a husband. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm an uncle. I'm an aunt. Some by the vacations they take or the abilities they have or the pain they have. Some people define themselves by the pain they have, physical, emotional pain, deep pain. Some people define themselves by the things they enjoy. I'm an enthusiast of fill in the blank. Or the plans they make. Some people define themselves by the plans they make. Next year, I'm going to go here and I'll do this, I'm going to do this. Someday, I really hope to Some people define themselves by the sin they do. Some of us define ourselves by the sins that have been done to us. But I want to say to you, all of these are far too low of a target to define yourself by every one of these. If you combine some mixture of them, they're far too low of a target. You need to define yourself by your relationship with God. If you're a young person, today and you're trying to figure out who you are I'm going to encourage you to do this first define yourself with regard to who you are by your relationship with a holy God that's the starting point 9.23 and 24 it says this is what the Lord says this is what the Lord says this isn't what Dan says this is what the Lord says let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast in his riches But let him who who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. A God who exercises loving kindness. And he goes on to describe himself, God does. Now all of that is aimed at the individual this morning, and I wanted to start there. But this morning we're talking about the church. And in Acts chapter 20, in verse 28, where Luke pens what Paul says to these men, it's this, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The main thought of this verse is pretty obvious. It's that the church is God's flock, which he has purchased at the highest cost. That's the main thought of that verse. So the elders of the church are to give heed to themselves and to the flock. They're first to to, to minister to themselves. Their first relationship is between them and God. They're to define themselves not according to what they do. I'm an elder in the church. They're to define themselves according to their relationship with God. And And then to the flock. They have a responsibility to themselves and to the flock. But it was also important for the elders of this local church to know just who the church was. And this should give you great confidence for the future of the church. I'm talking church.
church worldwide, and I'm talking church right here, local church. Who, who are we? The church was not their little project or plaything, hey? It's not what Paul says. He says, Shepherd, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. It was, and it is, the church of God. At Ephesus, it is who they were. And right here at North Valley Bible Church, this is who you are. The church of God. If you're a believer here today, you're a member of the church of God. You can define yourself that way. This church can define itself that way. This is the church of God. When he speaks to men that are with him there, he says, feed the church of God, or shepherd, to care for, provide for, protect the church of God. What is, what is the definition of church? The, Hebrew, the, the, the Greek, what is it, Pastor Patrick? Ekklesia. What does that word mean, Rick? Called out assembly. The called out assembly of God. That's who we are as a church. The called out assembly of God. That should give you great confidence for the future of the church. Which he has purchased with his own blood. The church is not a company of people admiring the ideal of Jesus. These aren't words original with me. I quoted, I'm quoting someone. I don't know if it's Albert Barnes or someone else. But I want you to hear what he wrote. The church is not a company of people admiring the ideal of Jesus or accepting the value of his ethical teaching and attempting to obey it. The church is a people who are purchased by God. The church of God. Notice that word church again. It's an assembly. It's not an individual. When Jude writes, warning uh, the believers to contend earnestly for the faith because certain men have crept in. And he gives examples of those who had fell. And he gives insight to, to, to those that have crept in unawares with re- using those examples. He, he, he describes them in this way. These are they which separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. These are people that are coming into the church but aren't a part of the church. They separate themselves setting themselves apart, worldly-minded. It's who they are. Separate themselves from the local assembly under the pretense of a greater illumination. But you are, this is, an assembly, a congregation, a called-out assembly of God, a church of God. When Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians eleven sixteen, and he's speaking to them about some things, he says in eleven sixteen he. He uses this term, the churches of God. The churches of God. He's speaking of local assemblies as the churches of God. This is the church of God right here. North Valley Bible Church. Sign on the front. All of us meeting here together. It's the body. It's not the building, right? Is the church of God. That should give you great confidence in the future of the church. 
to Timothy, Paul writes in 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, he's giving instructions to Timothy with regard to the fact he might not come soon enough. And he says, um, he's given these instructions so that people will know how they ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Think about that a minute. He's right, This is the church of God. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I'm writing these things so people will know how they ought to conduct themselves in God's household. You live in a household of some kind. Every one of us here lives in a household. You conduct yourself within that household in a certain way. In the church of God, people are to conduct themselves in a certain way. How people ought to conduct themselves within the household of God. Now, I'm not going to get in. we don't have time to get into that this morning, of all the things that would be involved with that, but I'd ask you to look into it for yourself. If you're a part of the church of God that he purchased with his own blood, and I'm expected to conduct myself within that household in a certain way, I probably ought to figure out what that is. So that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. This isn't a vague conception. There is a living God that we're accountable to, and we are in His household in the church of God. It's His household. Not mine. Not yours. His. This is the church of God. You are the church of the living God. What a wonderful reminder and a reason for confidence with regard to the future of the church. God has not abandoned His church. You know, I lose track of my cell phone pretty often, and Cindy teases me about that. Do you think God ever, i got to say, call my phone. I don't know where it's at. Oh, i got the ringer on silent. That's really going to be hard. Do you think God has lost track of his church? No. He hasn't. God hasn't lost track of his church. He hasn't abandoned his church. With regard to the future of the church... It's not the church of Paul. It's not the church of man. It's not the church of methods or trends or politics or political correctness. It's not the church of yesteryear or bygone or some dude's imagination from some century in the recent history. It's not the church of some dude's imagination. It's the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. It's a purchased possession. So that's, that's who you are, and that should give you great confidence. We're the church of God, North Valley Bible Church. We are the church of God. Praise the Lord. Not only does verse 28 speak to who you are, but it also speaks to whose you are. You are His purchased possession, the church of God. Of God. That speaks of ownership. I don't own the church. Pastor Patrick doesn't own the church. Rick doesn't. Uh, Soren doesn't own the church. Of God. The church of God. That's ownership. God owns the church. It's His. And it's a purchased possession. Verse 28, the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. That word purchased there, that doesn't mean we're done. (laughs) That word purchased there, it's a verb that points to a single act. It's a verb. God purchased something. And it points to a single act. God is not purchasing the church. He's not making installment payments. He's purchased it. He's purchased it. 
He doesn't need to repurchase it. He doesn't need you and he doesn't need me as co-signer. God has purchased the church with his own blood. Praise God. If you're a member of the church, the church of God, he has purchased you with his own blood. Didn't need you to co-sign. You don't need to buy back the church of God. It hasn't been lost like I lose my phone. You don't need to buy it back. And you don't need to buy yourself back. If you've trusted Jesus as Savior, you are secure in Him. That's why Jude 24 and 25 are two of my favorite verses on all Scripture. Because it points you to Him. Now unto Him who is able, that goes right to praise. Every reason to praise Him. The church is His, and He's purchased this called out assembly. Praise His name having confidence in Christ for the future of the church because of who you are, the church of God, and whose you are, you are God's. If purchased, then you belong to Him. Someone else says this word purchased, you could describe it this way. It means the making of what is bought peculiarly one's own, or especially one's own. The church of God is especially His. North Valley Bible Church is especially God's. In verse 28, it's the church of God. In verse 32, he says, now I commend you to God. And then he goes on to speak about the word of his grace, which is from God. And Jude opens his letter to those who are sanctified by God. So this message is of God, to God, from God, and by God. These are powerful reasons for confidence for the future of the church. From verses 28 through 31, Paul says there are three things to give attention to, and I already mentioned that, to themselves, to the flock, and also to the wolves. So there is danger from those who would draw away disciples after themselves and not after God. How do you know you're in a church of God and you have a godly man leading, and you do, because he's not drawn away disciples after himself. He's pointing disciples to Christ. He's leading people to God. In verse 32, he speaks to these Ephesian elders about their relationship and the resources they have. He points them to their personal relationship. As close as Paul was to them, they needed to be closer to God. The, rela the relationship that defines who you truly are, your relationship with God. Now I commend you to God. Paul is saying, you're his, not mine. You're his, not mine. Commend means I commit you. I set you before God. Right close and personal, close beside, in a very up close and personal way before God. I commit you to God. That's what he's saying. As close as you are to me, Paul's saying, as personal as this has been, I commit you to God. Up close and very personal. And then he points to this powerful resource they have, the ability of the word of his grace, the word of his unmerited favor. He says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. 
His unmerited favor poured out on us. Romans 8.32, it's worded this way, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him give us all things? Or in 1 John 3.1, See what manner of love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the sons of God. The powerful resource they have is the word of his grace. For the believer, it's not the word of condemnation, it's the word of his grace. It's not the word of his wrath, it's the word of his grace that is able to build you up. It's not the word of God's judgment, it's the word of his grace. Unmerited favor poured out overflowing, lavished on you. For why? Because God loved you. And because you believe in His Son. The word of His grace, it has power to build them up, to establish them. And the promise it holds for the future, it speaks of the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Of all the things Paul could leave with these folks that he had spent three years with. He leaves them with words of exhortation regarding concerns he has and then words that confirm who they are who's they, and whose they are, giving them confidence to move into the future that they're going to have without Paul present. And because of whose they were and what they had, and it is who's, who they are is who you are, Church of God. And whose they were is whose you are. You belong to God. He's purchased you. And what they had, you have. The word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Where are you heading? Where are you heading? That's Jude. Jude 24 and 25. I'm going to read these verses. I want you to hear them. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Where Jude takes the thoughts of his reader is before the throne of God. Jude writes to three different groups of beings or people who fell. People who fell when they were rescued out of Egypt. The angels who fell and did not keep their estate. Sodom and Gomorrah was a whole group of people that God judged. And then three individuals he writes about. Cain and Balaam and Korah. The rebellion of Korah. And I would imagine Jude's reader, and the first time I read this, I thought, well, what about me? But then you get to verse 24, and he says, Now unto him who is able to keep you. It was rebellion and unbelief that caused the destruction of these others. But for those of us who have trusted Christ, there's a sure and a certain destination. This is where I want to say this should give you great confidence with regard to the future of the church. Because it does speak to our destination and his ability to bring us there and the condition you'll be in when you are there in his presence, and the praise that is due him 
for all of it. Verse 24 looks on into the future with absolute confidence in Jesus Christ. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Now unto him who is able. I'm not able. You're not able. Maybe you've trusted Christ at some point. And over the last little while, the last, I don't know, months or years since then, you've made a mess of it. Just stopped walking with the Lord for a little while. Or you thought, man, I, I really goofed up. A couple of things. One thing, you know how fast it is to get back on track? That fast. If we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us or to purify us from all unrighteousness. If we've trusted in Christ's finished work, the road back is that fast. God hasn't gone anywhere. You've moved. I forgot what the second thing was now. Um... Anyhow, verse 24 looks on into the future with absolute confidence in Jesus Christ, having confidence in Christ for the future of the church. Now unto him who is able, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have trusted in his finished work, his payment for your sin, our sins, believing in his death, burial, and resurrection, are heading for glory. To stand in his presence blameless, without fault, without spot or wrinkle, there's a lot of negativity that comes toward the church, but it is the church of God and that bride. When we arrive in his presence, we're going to arrive spotless, blameless. He's able. He might not be able. He's able. To present you there in that condition, because he paid the debt in full at the cross, was buried. He really died for you and rose again the third day. And the Father's amen to Christ's finished work is that resurrection. He is alive. We don't serve a dead Savior. So is the church abandoned? No. Is the church forgotten? Never. Is the church unimportant? Absolutely not. You are the church of God, the church of the living God. You are God's own possession. You were bought with the price of His blood. And you're heading for glory where you will appear before him without fault. To him be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, both now and forevermore. And all God's people say, Amen. Look, I don't know what you'll do with this message. If you're here today and you have yet to trust Christ, and you've been trusted in anything else, I don't know what it might be. Your intellect your abilities, your strength, whatever that is. Uh, you think you are, you don't really come to an understanding of who you really are until you deal with this relationship with the Holy God. And God has made a way for you to have that relationship with Him and stand in His presence faultless, blameless, because of what Christ has done. I'm heading for heaven. Look, you guys, if Cindy and I are driving that moving truck across the country 
and you hear that we got wrecked and we both died, don't weep for us. Rejoice. We're absent from the body, present with the Lord. I have that confidence because of what Christ has done. Not because of anything I've done. If I added up all the things I've done, it's like filthy rags. But because of what Christ has done, I have great confidence. I'm going to stand in His presence faultless, blameless. And because of what God's Word says you are as a church, you are the church of God, you are His purchased possession, and you're heading for glory, you should have great confidence for the future of the church, the local church and the church worldwide. We should celebrate who we are in Christ. I've got to close here. This was a little abbreviated. <laughs> Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would just bless this word to your people. And if there's one here today that is yet to trust Jesus, Father, I pray you would move in their heart and help them understand that they need a Savior. Their good works aren't going to earn them salvation. There's no payment they can make. Jesus has paid it all. Thank you that when we trust Jesus, we become a part of that purchased possession. Thank you for the love of Christ demonstrated on the cross. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.